You'll go nuts and bolts for Banjo Kazooie. Nice. <laughs> that Der Siegel pun was by uh, The Dead Space and recited by Jim Sterling as Marcus Phoenix. And welcome, faithful listener, to Pod Toy number 76. Joining me, as always, tonight are Jim Sterling. Scratch one, grub. Aaron Lindy. Uh, damn it. I was going to think of something funny to say to follow up with that, but there is really nothing you can say to top that, is there? Take as much time as you need, Dom. <laughs> I, I, could do it, I, could do it, I could do it in like a fey Jewish lady voice. Scratch one, grub, or something. I don't know. I just, <laughs> just can't beat that. Damn it. You could do the coal train. No, no I hate the fucking coal train. I hate the coal train. Look at all that juice. Look at all that juice. Look at juice. I'm going to kill your stanky ass queen. <laughs> I asked Go around the coal train, baby. <laughs> that's that's all we're doing for the rest of this podcast. Can, can, can we just call? Can we call this episode more like ten shitloads? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I can't believe that's my favorite line in any that? video game ever. Like, <laughs> like that's like that's that's the verbal equivalent to Marcus Phoenix just taking his dick out and just slapping Dom across the face with it. It's like <laughs> motherfucker. Let me show you how manly I am. You said the word shitload, and I'm going to make it manlier. Like, I made the word shitload manlier than you. It's like, did you ever see that? I think it was a, there's a Yoda Man Now, Doug, of it. But um, it's from Dragon Ball Z or something like that. And some robot gets killed. And uh, Krillin's like, man, that android is toast. And Piccolo's like, more like burnt toast. And that's on the exact same <laughs> literary level. The 10 shitloads comment. <laughs> that's rad. Uh, and Topher Cantler, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so, games of the week. What's everybody been playing? Uh I assume you've been spending a lot of time with all that juice and, and maybe mirrors. <laughs> Whoever just burped gets to go first. The god damn it. Why did uh, <laughs> what I get for Belch? I thought it was going to make you motherfuckers laugh. Um I've been playing anything. I actually uh I went on vacation sort of this last week and uh I hopped on a plane and went to Vegas, um, uh, and where I met my uh, my dad and some other like all the men in my family. We had this big, like, fuck off manly camping trip uh, to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, and uh, I played my DS on the plane, but that was about it. I uh, didn't really do much else. I did play Mirror's Edge last week. That was fun, um, and I did get to play my favorite game, which is the game within the. I'm going to say something that isn't a game that I did, and say that as a game game. Meta game, game. Um, bam. Anyway, what? <laughs> um, which is uh, while I was in Vegas, I was propositioned for sex, and that's a really fun game to play because you always win. <laughs> Either you say no and you have a good story, which is what happened, or you say yes and you get laid, which is you know probably fun too. Or you say yes and then lie about saying yes so that anybody who hears well, the podcast doesn't think you're <laughs> on your girlfriend, which is also yeah, a win. Totally. Well, I know I told her about it like right after. I was so excited that I called her up and. And like right after she walked away, I told her. No, it was this. It was this actually really cute girl um, who just who called me sweetie, like from behind. And she was like walking up to me. She's like sweetie, and I was like, huh? I turned around. It's this this girl. She's really cute. And she's like, are you alone tonight, honey? And I was like, uh, well, technically yes, but no. Um, I guess. Like I didn't. I didn't, What do you say to that? Like I was like, well, at the moment, yes. There's no one in my proximity that I know or associate with. But there's a lady in Washington State who will be really fucking pissed off if I hang out with you, 
and do what I think that you're like offering to do for money. So no, and like yeah, I had to call her immediately after. So I think I won that game, but I also lost uh, based on <laughs> based on your reckoning. Um, so that was fun. I should have I should have paid her to let me talk to her about phone requests or something like that. <laughs> but get, like, so what do you want to do tonight? And I'll be like, I don't know. Do you want to fucking play Left 4 Dead? It's gonna be awesome. You know? <laughs> Could you please give me your thoughts on game design as I pitch some ideas at you? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? You pick up a hooker in Vegas and you're just like, hey. Uh, so what do you think about the uh, so is the narrative? Quest to get a boner, or do you already have the boner and you go on a quest? Your thoughts. <laughs> you know what I should have done? I should have hired her to come on Podtoid. Rad. That would have been pretty. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all I did. I didn't really play much of anything. I did. I played through a couple chapters of Mirror's Edge, and, and uh, it was fun a lot at first. And now it's like I'm kind of lukewarm on it. But other than that, I really haven't been playing much. So for what have you been playing? Uh, we had a NARP last weekend, so I played a lot of every fucking thing. Too much to list. Anything really stand out? Uh, I played a lot of Waka Waka Seven. So yeah. Well, yeah, and once again, I have to be the, the guy Jean and ask what that is. It's a fighter for Neo Geo. Oh. What's the name of it again? Awesome. Waka Waka 7. As in, like, Fozzie Bear Waka Waka Waka? <laughs> <laughs> Waku Waku, which I guess is a, a Japanese translation oh, for um, Waka Waka. With, with a single sentence, you just improved that game tenfold, though. I don't. Yeah. I, I, well, no, no, no. I don't well, when he said that, the first thought that popped into my head was like, you know, Kermit versus fucking Gonzo fight. You know, like which would have been <laughs> fucking rad. Like that might have been even oh, man. cooler. Mm-hmm. Waka Waka I would have played as Animal or as the old guys from the the uh, the ba- balcony. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jim, what about you? Um, it's hard for me to focus because I just got this email from someone. That starts, hello dear Jim, I was perusing the Brighton personals as I want to do, and was fancying a little anal play, seeing as it was a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's a better sentence than ten shitloads. I think it was, in fact, if it came in the, seeing as it was a Wednesday, Tom. <laughs> uh, well, yes, sorry. Um, what have I been playing? I, I accidentally completed Fallout 3 last night. Um, so, I thought yes. I was taking my time. Turns out I was rushing through it. Yeah, um, you did exactly what I did. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, yeah. fuck that game. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, literally last night I was finally starting to get into it. Finally starting to have fun, and then credits happened. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? And what is with the? You know, why is that it? That is it. Jesus, I'm taking that game back now, like, on Friday or something, you know, I'll get Left for Dead or whatever with it, but I'm so pissed off, I'm so pissed off, the, the, the second the game is starting to redeem itself, it ends, just, god damn it, and I, I played, um, sorry, uh, I was, I was going to say that, like, I, I, f- I thought it was just so weird that, like, right before that, it, it it does a really great job of tricking you into thinking that this is not the final confrontation because it's like there's a bit it's like Marcus means there's a big group of super mutants and enclave guys over there we're gonna kick all their asses and then a thing that I won't mention just in case you're the kind of person who would feel that was a spoiler but that thing does all the killing for you and then you just sort of like tiptoe to the area where you're supposed to get and then the game ends like mm. that's, that's that that seems like a precursor to a really big ass fight where you actually get to do something 
And, and the fight yeah. is neither big nor ass. It's yeah, it's poppycock. No, it's like, I just and I ripped through those motherfuckers. I was like, okay, this is the step towards. It was like it. it you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of um uh the end of Diablo where I ran into like I like the original Diablo when I got to that level of hell where it's like you run into some guy who's called the Dark Lord and I'm like, oh, this guy looks tough. Well, I you know because he wasn't fucking called Diablo, so I was like, okay, I'll just beat the shit out of him. And I, I fucking won, and I was like, ah, and then the game was over. And I was so upset. I was like, because that was really fucking easy, and it was so anticlimactic, because I just didn't give a shit. And yeah, Fallout 3, kind of, same deal. I noticed this as a trend, actually, with Western RPGs, is that nothing, there's no, there seems to be no build in a, a and Western no, RPG. And yeah, there's like, like no final boss. Yeah, yeah. Ob- ob- Oblivion, which is fantastic, you know. It is fantastic. You know, one of my favorite games of this uh, generation as good as that game is there is no sense of pacing no build no no real villains no not that many actual characters and it seems to be the same i mean japanese rpgs get their stick you know people have a go at all the cliches and, and the repetition that you get but at least they tell a fucking story mm. and i you know i love both types of rpg um, but I'd love to see, you know, maybe the whole loot aspect of the Western RPG go hand in hand with a really, really good story as well, uh, which just doesn't seem to happen. And Fallout 3 is the same. It's every, every single one of these uh, Western RPGs seem to be just so anticlimactic. It's surprising, especially it, when you look at the leaps and bounds that we're making in other genres in the West. It's very surprising. And yeah, I really and get that it's anticlimactic either because all that stuff about Bethesda. Like every time I went to like talk to someone at, uh, at Bethesda about the game, they're like, "Don't say anything about the story. Don't say anything about the story." They were so positive that this was that step, like as if they were trying to learn from their mistakes from Oblivion, and then somehow amplified those mistakes like tenfold. Yeah, yeah. and the funny thing was like how how they went on and on about how they were like at first it was like there are like fucking thousands of endings you know we've we we locked uh ron perlman in a room for (laughs) eight years and made him read off like 30 there's an entire dvd just for the ending i swear to christ it's gonna blow your mind every if you if you look at a puppy the ending will change and it'll be like it'll be ron perlman saying and then he looked at a puppy and you know like and it fucking didn't happen that way at all there are like three permutations of the ending it's as limited as bioshock um, and that's it. And I was like, the uh, bull poppy, you know. I mean, the the rest of the game is brilliant. Like, and that's what pro- that's that's what prompted me to, as soon as the game was over, load up one of my pre-final stupid catastrophe saves, and go back out into the wasteland where the conflict isn't resolved, and I could be happy for that. Like, <laughs> which town can I show up in and slaughter everyone? Because that's a lot more fun than that final conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I I I, w- I played. Uh, some Red Alert three and uh, oh, how's that? Well, it's I'm I'm not actually I, I picked it up and I haven't even installed it yet. <laughs> well, like it, it made me realize what a weird human being I am because I'm horrible at RTS games, like literally horrible. I can't play chess but, or anything. But you love them, right? Yeah, because it's like the part of my yeah, mind that's supposed to be able to strategize does not function. I can't really beat any of those missions on medium without getting incredibly infuriated. So I just set all the, the stuff down to easy and then just spam units and then somehow feel some sort of sense of satisfaction and I'm, I'm happy. And then I get a, a, a full motion video of, uh, of J.K. Simmons being the greatest character in the history of video gaming. And I feel rewarded <laughs> by that. But 
like I'm not actually doing anything that's rewarding intrinsically, like gameplay wise. Like for all the talk, the stuff we've been talking about with like you know Braid and Portal and games that are very short and self-contained but are satisfying because of the gameplay. Like I wasted so much fucking time just trying to get to the next J.K. Simmons cutscene in that fucking game, and I don't understand why. It's like a weird addiction with me. But um, I beat. Mirror's Edge, and I wanted to talk about that uh, right off the bat because we had a couple of reader questions uh, based off some comments I made. And uh, they're from Thunderheart XI and Anonymous Noob, who also posted this very lengthy, very, uh, I don't want to say pretentious because it was actually very intelligent, uh, art student sort of explanation about why faith can be relatable by being first person yet not first person. Just read it in the, in the pre-show. Post. I actually read that and it was a total college student douchey bit douchebag. No, I'm kidding. Well, he, he admitted he was a college student. so he's, No, no, no. I, I know, I know. And I'm making fun of him for that, but I don't actually think that. So please go ahead. Um, but yeah, so Thunderheart said, uh, I'm with Anonymous Noob. Why are people being so harsh to Mirror Edge's trial and error gameplay when almost every adventure game has the exact same thing? All the nostalgia fanboys jizz themselves over Mega Man, which trial and error taken to the extreme, and Mirror's Edge gets a fail for it. And someone posted about that in, in a, in a Games Time Forgot post I made as well. And, I mean, Lindy, you haven't gotten that far into it. And to, but Topher, I know you watched it, and you, you said you wanted to take the control out of Nick's hands and throw it across the room. Yeah. As a, as a retro gamer, and, and we talked about this on the Mega Man 9 uh, Retro Force Go, that the, the trial and error gameplay was actually kind of cool because it re- relied on memorization. How do you... I don't I, mind I, trial and error gameplay. I, I, I think that's fine. But there comes a point when something is more frustrating than it should be. And that's the part that makes me want to throw the controller across the room. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing yeah, to do with the fact that it's trial and error. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But um, It's fucked up that, that Mirror's Edge is more frustrating than Mega Man 9. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that strikes me as silly. And Mega Man 9, the, the trial and error stuff is like a design choice. It's about like memorizing exactly what you need to do and like train yourself on those yeah, levels. Yeah, and it's trial, trial and error on purpose, not trial and error yeah. because you know somebody should have done something they didn't. I don't want to say yeah. the wrong thing here, but fuck you people. There's a lot of, I mean, there's, there's, there tends to be in GameFAQs and some other places I've seen that this general uh, assumption that if you didn't, if you played Mirror's Edge, then you're in one of two camps. A, you're a real gamer and you're actually good at the game and you see merit <coughs> and none of the uh, things that are bad about it matter because it's innovative and, and you're good at the game, so it's not trial and error. Or you found the level design to be bad and you thought a lot of the sections were poorly designed and a lot of the pacing kind of sucked and therefore you suck at the game. And Jim, you wrote a, an article about this, uh, the innovation versus the game not being a pile of shit, right, this weekend? Uh, I did, yeah. Um, <clears throat> not, sure, not sure if it's the same thing we were arguing about, but for a start, it's just to talk about Mirror's Edge in general, nobody said it failed. Mm-hmm. The game's got like an, I think it's 82% on Metacritic, which means it's getting great reviews and yet people are complaining that it's getting bad reviews um, which is what uh, Keith Stewart at The Guardian um, was complaining about, that's the article I responded to at the weekend he was complaining that Gears, um, sorry, Mirror's Edge was only getting like only getting scores in the eight, you know, 80% region rather than the 90 or 90 to 10% uh, I'm getting my numbers confused. 90 to 100 percent scores that uh, Gears of War and the like were getting, and he seems to think that because Mirror's Edge was innovative, that it deserved like the score to be bumped up. And the quote he used was um, pretty much asking whether 
whether or not we should factor bad controls into a game if the game is innovative. Uh, which I would think yes. Yeah. But yeah. he would think no. He thinks that if the controls don't work, so long as the game's innovative... I mean, it's not that extreme, but it seems to be what he implies when he says, you know, should we let bad bad controls get in the way of, of something that's artistic? Yes. Um, artistic it may be, a good game it is not. Not that I'm saying Mirror's Edge is a bad game, I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. using I, another you know, example here. I actually got far enough... I played today, uh, after I got off the plane, I, you know, drove home and I play a little bit, and um, I got to one particular point, and it's not a spoiler, so everyone shut the fuck up. Um, it's uh, there's this part where you're in a warehouse. Yeah, see how specific that was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this uh, basically in this warehouse, you open up this gate, and it rises, and you run in. And there's a catwalk right like dr- directly above you, and there's a motherfucker with a machine gun on it, and right below that is one of those. Uh, boxes right next to another box. So you do that kind of hop, skip, jump, you know, the vault kind of jump, <clears throat> up onto the catwalk, and then presumably take the guy down. But um, if your timing is not perfect, like absolutely perfect, you'll likely grab onto it with your hands and have to pull yourself up. By that time, he will be shooting you, and so will the guy at the other end of the catwalk, and you die almost like every single time. And it's like you have to be absolutely perfect and then get up there and take the gun from him before he can, sh- you know. And if so, it's like there are eight different places to fuck up in that, or you die. And I tried running around in there elsewhere, like trying to find a different route, and I couldn't find one. And where I didn't just get fucking killed by all these assholes with machine guns up on a catwalk. And I almost, like, I haven't had that moment. I never had that moment with Mega Man where, <clears throat> you know, I played through all of Mega Man 9, and I never had a moment where I threw, like, through the controller. Like, I never had that moment. Because I was expecting, you know, you know, this game is difficult. I know it's going to be difficult. And I know that my enjoyment of this game and my ability to, you know, conquer this game is dependent upon my, uh, my ability to pay attention and to remember and to improve my skill and be as precise as possible. But Mirror's Edge kind of dumps you into this in mid-game. Like, there's a point in which it's kind of all about sort of, like, experiencing this rooftop running around kind of thing, and the guys show up, and it's sort of nasty every now and then, but then all of a sudden, mid-game, it's like, it's everyone is fucking out to get you, and they'll have, like, you know, it's they're equipped with small arsenals, and and all of a sudden, the focus of the game becomes, you know, uh, you know enemy f- mitigation, and, like, that's so not what I expected the game to be, and trying to combine, like, absolutely precise, you know, platforming, as is in Mirror's Edge, with this combat and leaving no room for error whatsoever, you fucking lose and you have to do it all over again. That's not like trial and error um, the way that I think of Mega Man. That's just, that's just an exercise in fucking absolute frustration. And, you know, I got through it eventually, but I don't think I'm particularly bad at that game, but that was a particularly poorly designed instance that should have been reworked, and I think that's what, where the game suffers. But, you know, innovation doesn't, you know, prevent those flaws. In fact, you know... The fact that it's an innovative game and it has a lot of really great qualities makes those flaws stand out more because it's like, well, shit, they obviously put a lot of thought into how this would work and how that would work. How did they miss something like this? And, you know, that's why, like, every time I play a game, no matter how fucking, you know, people are like, oh, it's so innovative and no, 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 and it's, it's art and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, that's great, but if you're going to put that much fucking effort into the innovation or the art, 
you should pay attention to the core mechanics of gameplay that every game ought to have. Mm-hmm. You know, Gears of War gets high marks because it knows what it is. It's not very innovative, but it does what it does very, very, very well. And even if it has a bunch of stupid fucking dialogue, it you know plays really, really, really well because it follows that model very closely, and it doesn't deviate, and it doesn't fuck up. Mm-hmm. Mirror's Edge fucks up. If you fuck up, you know, your game isn't as good as it could have been, no matter how innovative you are. I would have loved to see Valve do Mirror's Edge, because those mechanics are incredible, and when there are levels like the demo level, where there's a good mix of just trying to get as fast as you can, and uh, avoiding enemies and stuff, and I'm really good at, at the game, like, in terms of the actual mechanics. Like, Mm-hmm. I can get through the demo without stopping or whatever, so it's not. It doesn't come down to that. But there, like, there's a section where you go down this big, huge, like, chasm, and you have to swing down uh, every ledge by by swinging on these little these little <laughs> red p- pipes, horizontal pipes, and you get to the end of that, and it takes like an uh, like ten minutes, and then you do some shit, and then you have to go back and then go all the way back up, doing everything you just did, but in reverse. Like, there's no that's that's just bad. That's boring game design, and some of the level design sucks and sucks shit and like that. I, I honestly feel like. It's kind of cool that the guy from The Guardian actually put words to what a lot of people who are defending this game or defend Assassin's Creed or defend, you know, any number of quote-unquote innovative games. He put words to those feelings that most gamers just take intrinsically. People get offended when I say that, that uh, Mirror's Edge ha- is a flood, has a flood of really shitty design decisions amidst a few really great ones because they actually believe, without knowing it, that, that innovation should trump any and all criticism or horrible, horrible level design or a shitty-ass story told through goddamn flash cutscenes that look really weird, and, you know, so on and so forth. So, I don't know. I just wanted to address that. <clears throat> but I should also address that um, Jeff Minter is another person who blamed the uh, success or lack thereof of his game on him being too innovative. Mm-hmm. So, there's food for thought to get down your <laughs> gullet. And it's all laced with acid, so don't eat it. <laughs> um, okay, it was so, designed by a llama fucker. <laughs> um, so Bioware was talking about the Old Republic MMO that's coming out, and they mentioned that it was quote choreographed, and we don't really know what that means. Uh, presently, uh, the the original Kotor had some sort of turn based, but it was paused, but it actually looked like it wasn't turn based hybridization of RPG combat, and that made me wonder. Uh, for you guys, I know we all play a lot of RPGs. What sort of combat do you guys like to see? Do you go for the more traditional, keep this completely turn-based, or do you like to have some sort of timing-based interactivity? Do you like to pause? Do you like to keep it going? What, what, how do you guys feel about, about RPG combat? Topher, why don't you go first? Um, traditionally, I tend to like turn-based, just so I have a moment to think. Um, for me, I enjoy much more um, an opportunity to like, develop a, a good strategy than I do um, being quick-witted. Because I'm not quick-witted. I'm not very smart. But if you give me a few minutes to think about it, I can be smart. So, I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to go with turn-based. Though I really I really did like the, the combat in Final Fantasy XII. Because it lets you plan out your battles ahead of time. And then you can just kind of sit back and watch it happen. And enjoy and adjust where you need to. And it takes all the tedium out of, out of turn-based battles. But... I don't know. I like that better than I did, um, you know, any of the real-time stuff. I just, I need a minute to think about it. How do you feel about, like, the hybridization stuff, like Super Mario RPG or Mother 3, where there's timing involved in addition to turn-based shit? I'm fine with that, too, as long as I, 
as long as the game doesn't depend on me being able to, you know, pick my shit real quick and make it happen. I like it to be, um, I like it to depend more on my ability to develop a good strategy. Lindy? Oh, man. I think there's, <clears throat> um, I, I, I'm going to be uh, pussy and democratic and non-committal about this. I think there's uh, a time and a place for a lot of different RPG schemes. I'll tell you this, though. Um, you know, trying to sex up um, a, uh, like a, a traditional turn base with action elements, I don't know if that always works. Like, I, I really, really, really didn't enjoy Penny Arcade Adventures. It really? Just, it just didn't feel right to me. I don't know what it was. I, I think it's just... I think the thing I didn't like about it was that it was... I, I, I felt kind of out of touch with both elements that it was trying to combine. Like, it was like... It, let's see if I can put this correctly. It's, you know, it, it, it didn't, I didn't have time to plan, you know, didn't have time to think about what I was doing, and um, I didn't have time to enjoy any sort of action because the action was so, you know, felt so disconnected from what was actually going on. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that I think that just trying to take a little from column A and column B and mashing them together doesn't really work. Um, you know. In some cases, it does when it's very, 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 very simple. Um, like you know, the uh, 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 Super Mario RPG I thought was a good example. But actually, which leads me to something else. You know, my fa- one of my favorite RPG battle systems of all time is the Mario and Luigi series. I think that is one of the finest examples of the combination of you know, like action-based gameplay and uh, what does it consist of. So uh, essentially, Mario and Luigi. The way it works is that <laughs> I'm going to go off the original one. The, the, there's one on the DS as well that was a little more complicated, but I I like the original one more. Um, so the original one basically, and this this is a, uh, a a gameplay mechanic that carried through the entire game, not just battles, but overworld exploration as well. Um, basically, A and B are bound to Mario or Luigi, you know, or vice versa. You know, it can be one where there you can switch. And so in combat, what that means is, you know, you would select, you know, like if it's Mario's turn, you would hit the, you could hit the A or the B button any time in combat to make either one of them jump. So if it's Mario's turn to make an action, you'd hit the A button to make him jump and select what action you want to do by like, you know, pounding it like you would a block. And then so if you wanted to, you know, and he had a shitload of different attacks, all of which, you know, involved some use of the A button to either, you know, increase, um, you know, increased damage or, or you know, what, what have you. There were um, items as well that were combination attacks that required use of the A and the B button. But my favorite part about it was how it worked with defense. And basically what it was was, so let's say that you're, um, let's say that you're fighting, uh, what was the, like the Hammer Brothers that throw fire? Um, fire Brothers, I guess, whatever. So, you know, they're lobbing fireballs at you. <clears throat> and basically, if you jump at the right time, you can dodge them. Um, that's a really basic example, but it gets so much more complicated as the game goes on. Uh, the the last battle in the game throws some really crazy shit at you. Oh, that's another thing. Is that <laughs> fuck? I'm sorry. This is going on way too long. But so not just jumping, but like you know, there's a certain point in the game where you where you'll get hammers, you know, and you can you know use hammers to you know knock uh, enemies away as they're getting close to you, or you know you can change the shit up. But all the time you're you're engaged because you're either you're either avoiding attacks countering attacks or you know strengthening your own attacks and it's it's a convention that is that the game 
you know, fluidly, you know, weaves into all elements of gameplay, not just the battles, but but the but every other you know part of the game. And it, it actually, I, this is aside from the fact that it's one of the most brilliantly written games I've ever played, and and one of the funniest games I've ever played. The Mario and Luigi series is consistently the funniest fucking games ever. But I think like that's that for me seems like the natural evolution. It's not just it's not just a matter of you know. Uh, an occasional timing of a button or something like that, or active time battles, you know, meshed with, um, oh god, I don't know, like just basically, at just it, there, it's like active time events for the most part. I mean, that's, that's essentially what it is, and I, it just it sem- it felt too simplistic, you know, to me to to merit it. Like I'd rather play Dragon Quest than I than I a Dragon Quest like menu system than I would Penny Arcade Adventures. It's not that I think Penny Arcade Adventures is a bad game. It's just that. I didn't that the battle system just didn't capture me as well as it did for most. So I'm retarded when it comes to RPGs, so I love the mini arcade system. Just because <laughs> it, it tricked me into thinking I was being strategic when in reality I just had really good button timing. But <laughs> Jim Jim, what do you think? Um Well my favorite RPG of the year was uh, Lost Odyssey, which obviously was incredibly traditional JRPG turn based stuff. So I guess that would be the short answer. Um, a slightly longer answer would be that <coughs> I think it depends actually on the type of story you're trying to tell. If you look at the going again into the differences between Western and Japanese RPGs, uh, from a story perspective, Western RPGs tend to be about you as an individual, while Japanese RPGs tend to be about groups of people, you know, the party. Mm-hmm. And I think that the turn-based structure is, from a story perspective, uh, perspective is the most useful if that's the story you're trying to tell because it's the only real way of giving you direct control over all of your party members at once thus strengthening your uh, the relationship of the player to the characters um, so you get to appreciate the, the entire party rather than just you the individual character um, so I think that's what what I like about turn based RPGs is because Obviously, I, I like the RPGs where there are groups of people rather than you, the faceless individual, because that's where the, the more epic stories lie. And I think that if you get something like Infinite Undiscovery, which I've spoken about before, um, where they had you just controlling the one character and the rest of your party controlled by the computer, as a knock-on effect, you feel uh, less connection to the rest of the party. You know, you you have no control over them apart from a few uh, issued commands. So you have less connectivity. You're less personally invested in the characters, and as a whole, the whole party system doesn't work. It also didn't help that Infinite Undiscovery's writing was shit. But that's a story for another day. But that would be my answer, which is the words that I just said with my mouth. <laughs> um, right on. We'll go on to our next topic. Uh, World of Goo, the awesome indie game that everyone should be playing and is, but according to recent news stories, is not actually paying for. Uh, anywhere between an 80 to 90% piracy rate is, is being thrown out by the creators, uh, Ron Carmel and Kyle Glaber, Gabler. Sorry. And um, I was curious as to what you guys thought about this, because on the one hand, I mean, it's obviously not cool to steal directly from from guys from from two indie dudes who just made this game on their own. But at the same time, um, Ron Carmel himself said that he 
doesn't believe it was it was a mistake to put no DRM in the game. He doesn't think they lost any sales, and he thinks the piracy the fact despite the fact that eighty to ninety percent of the people who are playing his game are pirating it. Uh, he does. He doesn't think that that matters, and they're not going to change anything about the way they release their next game. Should they even be able to afford one? Um, I'm curious as to what you guys think about that, Jim. Uh, first of all, or Aaron. fuck all of you. Well, no, I just want to say one thing. I, and <laughs> well, I think you said it. No, no. Like, I, uh, in terms of how he feels about people who may, or, you know, the, the fact that they think it's just it's all right. I mean, that's totally his prerogative to you know respond to that however how, however he wishes, and that's that's cool. But it blows my fucking mind. And there's got to be at least one person that pirated that game that's listening to this podcast. So I'd like to speak to that person directly and just say that how... His, his name is Mosgus. Mosgus? Yeah, he actually responded in the comments with something I'll explain later. Well, actually, I'll just oh. say it now. He, he sort of took a second to speak on behalf of all the pirates and say that uh, most of the people, who pirated the, the people who pirated the game and didn't like it would not have bought it anyway and didn't play it anymore. And the people who did like it he sure would have bought it even though he hated the game and thought it was a stupid Flash game that was just trumped up and cost 20 bucks. Okay. Yeah, that was basically what you said. Oh, God. I want to tear that guy's ass open. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, that's fucking bullshit. That is absolute bullshit. Like, it's... <clears throat> I, I get it that... You know, because I'm, I'm someone who, who previously has pirated games that, you know, I had no intention of buying and then didn't enjoy, and that's fine. But, you know, I, I have pirated in the past... You know, games that I really, really enjoyed, and then, and then went out and actually purchased the games, but not all of them because, at some point in an, or another, I'm sure I was broke or lazy or what have you, and I've since like decided not to do that because I'm a self righteous prick. Um, but like, it just like it's not twenty bucks, isn't it? I thought it was ten. How much is it? I think it's. 20. I, th- I thought I bought it for ten on uh, on the Wii. I don't know. Okay, it's probably ten on the Wii. Let me check. No, it's probably twenty actually. Now that I think about I it, know. I don't know anything. Um, hang on, I need to know we'll, this. We'll, we'll just make, 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 your, make your point. I'll look it up. It's, it's fifteen hundred. It's fifteen hundred. Fifteen bucks. Okay, like, it, I mean, if you if you pirated it, like, and you enjoyed it, how fucking cheap are you? That like, this isn't EA. This isn't you know, this isn't big bad Activision Blizzard. This is a fucking pair of dudes who made a really good game that. You know, to be honest, I don't care if you didn't enjoy it. You should fucking pay them anyway because, God damn it, you know, that's that's their shit. Like that, that all the all the time and effort they put into making that game what it is, and it's a fantastic fucking game. And and the thought of, you know, uh, reducing it to uh, just a simple, you know, flash-based waste of time like infuriates me because it's actually a really well thought out game, and it's it's phenomenal at what it does. Um, but beyond all that, it's just it just pisses me off that I, I wouldn't care what game this is. I mean, it just it sucks that it. I don't know. Again, I'm being a self righteous prick, but like fucking Christ, it's fifteen dollars. I mean, it's not like, uh, whatever. And there's a demo out. If you're pirating, yeah, a game no just shit. To try it, there you go. Yes, if that's your thing, if you're like, oh, I just want to try the game, play the fucking demo or, or piss off. You know, like, god damn it. <laughs> Jim or Topher, thoughts? Seconded. Uh, I just, yeah, I just like to add that gamers are classy. <laughs> God damn it! What a bummer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm very surprised that that, I, but kind of happy that that the guys at 2D Boy stuck to their guns with the most horrendous piracy rates I have seen outside of Photoshop. That is still outrageous. Say, Jesus Christ! Seriously, eighty to ninety percent. Yeah. 
Really? The strength of character it must take to stick to your philosophical guns about no DRM after fucking that is... I can't, I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah, I'm hearing I, disputes yeah. on the actual figure. Um, yeah, there none are of which DRM. I bothered to check into because I'm not a games journalist, but <laughs> I... I'm hearing disputes. Well, it was originally 90, and then Rock, Paper, Shotgun revised that and said it was closer to 82, maybe, if they were being more conservative about it, because they were basically no. just taking, like, IP on the high scoreboards. Yeah, I mean, if, 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 the, if the low watermark currently is 82, that's still yeah. a problem. <laughs> it's, it is just... I only I mean, slept through the girlfriend twice, not three times. <laughs> Could you not have just... If you're going to make a, a, an indie developer bankrupt, do it to the jelly car people. Just do it to the <laughs> jelly car people. Not anyone else. It's, you know, when we've got on one side Activision, Blizzard, whoring out, um, you know, franchises on... Not on, not just a yearly basis, but in a matter of months, you know, like a bi-monthly basis or whatever. Then, and on the other, you've got these indie guys who are pretty much the only place you could go to for games that won't fuck you in the ass. Just why? Really, just why would you do that to them? I might not be the biggest defender of indie games and or you know artistic games or whatever but if it's an indie game and it's good don't steal it it's just that that's it just don't steal it mm-hmm. i really don't i i can't understand how how you could justify that when it's just two guys who are not, as you said, they're not Activision. You know, Activision at the moment is using the word exploitation casually. Think about that. There are companies that use the word exploitation in casual conversation. And you're going to steal a game from two guys who obviously put a lot of care and love and effort into it and are not charging all that much. And if you... If you stole the game and liked it, then I hope you enjoy contributing to a sequel not being made. You can't. Yeah, or or yeah. worse yet, like, you know, I mean, yeah, the only alternative I can think of is, like, something like that happening where, you know, Activision or EA or somebody picks up, a, you know, World of Goo and, uh, you know, buys the IP and, you know, just pimps the hell out of it, changes all of it. And then packs it up as an actual disc-based game and sells it for fifty bucks. Like, who wins then? You know, the developers don't because they're probably going to see less money. Well, yeah, they might see more money in the long run. Like, depends on how uh, how much the IP sells for. But um, you know, <laughs> they see less money than they would if they were selling their product directly. And you know, uh, you you take the game out of the hands of the people that can do the best work with it. And uh, and plus, like, oh god, it's 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 like um. Uh, Aquaria, when Aquaria came out, you know, um, those, uh, the, the BitBlock guys, you know, I, I spent a lot of time talking to them because I was like the biggest advocate for that game on Destructoid. Like every time there was a new video, I posted the fuck out of that because it was an amazing game. And if you don't know anything about it, go look up Aquaria. It's fucking amazing. And two fucking guys did that. Like that's, that's what I don't get. Like I, I, I can understand 
it's okay. It's it's like it's like it's like shoplifting from Walmart versus shoplifting from an independently owned mom and pop shack while mom is right in front of you and pop is right behind you saying hey how are you doing in school like they like they fucking know you and they appreciate you and they know who you are and they're like and they want to do something for you and you're stealing from them as opposed to stealing from walmart which is like you know a completely different deal i mean neither of them are terribly honorable but one is definitely more fucking nefarious than the other you know one is definitely worse than the other you know mm-hmm. um yeah so if you did Pirate it and uh, liked it. Uh, either pay Go twenty buy bucks, it, or, you fucking asshole, or or kill yourself. Uh, yes. Our next topic: Cliffy B was interviewed about Gears of War two, as happens, and um, he no. said <laughs> uh, someone asked him <laughs> about adding romance that the, the whole Dom subplot into the game, and you know why isn't that more commonly done? And he goes, "Well, because it's fucking hard to do, man. It's really hard to do. <laughs> I think we did an admirable <laughs> job of it." Is it a Nicholas Sparks romance? No, it's not. But there's a little bit of heart in there. And uh, is it really so much heart as it is 10 shitloads? I don't know. Is my que- like, is it okay to go in this direction and attempt to go in this direction with a game like Gears of War 2, which is essentially penises and guns, and you know applaud them for the effort, even though they failed in a hilarious slash awesome way? Or do you think they should have just stuck, well, I guess stuck with their guns and their penises and stayed the course, as it were? Someone was going to say something like half when I was halfway through, and then I think I accidentally castrated you by continuing my question. I think it was Jim. Um, I can't remember. I, I would like to point out that there was, I thought there was a, not just a little bit of heart, but a huge romantic... Um, subplot in Gears of War 2. Just that romantic tension between Marcus and Dom was, <laughs> you know, it, it got to me. But, you know, there, you could almost say there were ten shitloads of heart <laughs> in that game. Um, I don't know. Should we applaud Gears of No, we shouldn't applaud. <laughs> you can't <laughs> applaud Gears of War for that. Not even like a sarcastic clap? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, it's it's difficult to say because, to be honest, there is, and I won't spoil it, but there is that particular scene partway through Gears of War 2, which is obviously the one that had Cliffy B spunking in his jeans for a week over how brilliant Gears of War 2 story is. You know, you could literally tell in that scene that every time Cliffy sees it, he sports a chubby. He... But it's it is quite nicely done and quite well you know, even well acted. I mean Dom is not didn't you know, the voice actor for Dom did not do a bad job. But it's the fact that it's so out of context. It's fucking silly. Ah okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Ugh. Sure, I just jumping new said. baby on a sitcom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing is, it's well. The thing is, it's um. I wouldn't want it to change. That's the thing. I it's. It's so stupid. I mean, at the towards the and it, I'm trying not to spoil it, but there is there's something towards the end of uh, Gears of War 2 that hints at a romantic um, subplot between uh, another character and another character. Is it Marcus and Dom? 
No, it's not actually. Because I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. But I've always <laughs> um, wanted. But no, there is another one, but it's so vague and so Dumb, so badly done. It's. You should take that armor off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I can't continue. <laughs> All I can think about is fucking Dom and oh. <laughs> what would they even look like with their armor off? Like, I can't even imagine See, it. See, I always like the idea of them, like, being that big. Like, I, I yeah. like the idea of that armor being, like, paper thin. <laughs> and then when you take them off, they're just massive hunks of flesh. Like, not even, like, really ripped or well-defined or anything. Just fucking, just a cube of flesh. You remember that cube, flesh cube demo thing? Just that. Just Marcus Venus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you remember flesh. that flesh cube demo? No, I don't. What are you talking about? The what? mystery meat. Yeah. What? They showed it. It was a GDC, wasn't it? Uh, it was. It was a UE3 tech demo where they basically showed off um, like the gelatinous surfaces or like the soft physics or whatever it was. Oh. And it was this. It was this basically cube of meat that was like rolling around and shit, and it was I, I, like I, disgusting sorry. looking. I, I I was hoping that you just like made that up in some sort of like LS, LSD inspired fantasy, and was gonna. Oh no no like no! I have I class. have LSD inspired fantasies about the men of Gears of War. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dom, this cave is really dark, you know, and I'm really tired. We should <laughs> cuddle. I don't know. The, the good thing, though, about that is that when you when you screw up jokes about dialogue in Gears of War, it's still faithful to the dialogue of Gears of War. There's no <laughs> way to do it wrong. See, like, okay, I'll say this. Look, I, I, um, I, I can appreciate the effort. I do. I just, it's, it's like watching, it's like if, 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 Snake Plissken and Escape from New York just in the middle of it. You know, like, just decided to fucking write poetry. Like, it just it just doesn't seem to fit just because, like, I have this picture in my head of what Gears of War is, and I like it because it's it's unabashedly, unashamed, you know, fucking slap. It, like, it, 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 I feel like every time I've ever brought up Gears of War on this podcast, I've made one reference to another, a one man slapping another man in the face with his cock. And that's like... When it comes down to it, that's that's what I think of the game. It's not that it's, I'm not I'm not ragging on it. Does that reflect more on the game or on you? Well, you know, maybe a bit of both. But it's it, you know, like <laughs> fuck you. Um, <laughs> no, no, but like it's. I don't think that reflects poorly on the game. I don't think that's that's not me ragging on the game. I'm just saying like that's what it is. It's it's a fucking action movie. It is a balls to the wall action movie. And just like any action movie, when they try to get emotional on it, it just doesn't seem to fit. It just seems incongruous because you know. I I don't uh, you know uh, I don't know it's it's kind of like you know I I think that if you look at games like Max Payne where the, you know the story and the content is obviously structured around an emotional core like even if it's not necessarily pulled off in the best of ways Max Payne was designed to be a story that had a story that was about this emotional character um, whereas Gears from the outset is about fucking guns with chainsaws in them. <laughs> like that's and that's awesome. Like I love that. I I think that's fantastic, and it should be what it is. I think I think in some ways, Gears of War Two is like the best identity crisis I've ever seen because it's it's a great game that just doesn't seem to know exactly what it wants to be. But it, it, that's I think that that's that's my only beef with it. Otherwise, I mean, the game is fucking fantastic, and I never thought I'd be saying that about Gears of War. But you know, I I I really do like the new game. I just just. Just man up. Don't be a pussy. You know, I'm, don't talk about your feelings. Go kill something. You know. I think one of the problems is they tried too hard. So it was like 
any opportunity Dom got to talk about his wife, he'd fucking talk about his wife. And that's the last thing Marcus wants to know when he's staring at Dom's ass. you know, that he's married still. <laughs> Dom, I wish you wouldn't talk about your lady like that, you know, not when I'm, you know, I'm right here. Don't play it with my emotions, much. Dom. It, it really hurts my feelings to think that you just would prefer your wife to, you know, saddling up with your buddy in a foxhole. That's all I'm saying. All I can think about is popping your head with my long shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's, all, that's all that can be said. Yeah. Oh, Reader questions, listener questions, questions for people who are aware of this podcast. I, um, I, oh, what's, one thing before we continue. Yes. Left for Dead just yes, unlocked. Just unlocked. Yes, it did. Oof. Oh, I know so, what I'm doing. This, with this, this podcast is, is now irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Fuck reader questions. Here, I, I'll <laughs> let me no. let me summarize reader questions. Boner quest. Something about innovation. Something about uh, I don't know. Girls and gaming. You're all fags. I quit. <laughs> The really depressing thing is that this week they were really great reader questions, and now well, I feel do. like I, I mean, don't want to get through them. No, no, yeah, okay, we, we, yeah, we do. Yeah, no, we've got we, a job to do. Okay, so Hysteric Switch asked, in your experience, what structures found in video games, as in like architectural structures, have captured your imagination or resonated you with you the most? Any pieces Ooh. of architecture that to this day remain one of your favorites? Examples could range from the massive castle in Ico to the one-room highway rest stop at the beginning of Silent Hill 2, and Lindy, don't say what I know you're thinking about saying. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did, did he say what he thought I was thinking about saying? No, I'm saying that now. Oh, really? For your no, sake. Tell me what it is, because I'm not sure. It's something that Jim would hurt you for. Uh, oh! <laughs> uh, yeah, wait, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> I, see, I don't even know what that would be. Now I just know roughly where, in the realm of what it would be. You should IM me what that is while I say something different that isn't that, whatever that is. <laughs> okay, I'll that, I, I, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, so anyway, but no, I, I, that's a really great question. I like that question a lot because I think that's something that gets overlooked. Uh, um, not, not just in terms of how we as gamers perceive a game and uh, enjoy a game. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, I figured as much, you dumb bitch. But that, uh, you're the dumb bitch. You're a dumb bitch. That's what I have to say to that. Fuck you, dumb bitch. Um, anyway, uh, but I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot. I think, um, <clears throat> oh god, uh, Final Fantasy IX has has brilliant, brilliant architectural design. Um, the uh, I can't remember the name of the city. Oh, Lindblom. Lindblom is an amazing city. It's this. Um, it's uh, it's like a technologically oriented uh, city, but it's that game is. Uh, um, it's cool in that it's very medieval, but it has a lot of technology in it, and this city sort of embodies. The, the reaches of that technology um, within this world, and it's really fascinating. Um, I think I think uh, Shadow of the Colossus is an architectural study in its own in, like in its own right. Like you can just the way I mean these they're pra- the the bosses in that game are practically walking buildings. I mean they're meant to be you know like climbed. So you know that's that's another. Oh fuck the 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 castle in Ico is great too. Um, shit. There are a lot. I mean, I there's, there's... World 1-1 one, one from the very first Super Mario Brothers is sort of like, so for some reason, taken on the aspect of being like a location unto itself, even though it's just a level. Like, I, I was thinking about it the other day. It's that, very like, iconic. Yeah. It, yeah if, if just by sheer amount of times I played through the beginning of that game, because I wasn't that good at it when I had an NES when I was young. But like, I think someone could probably blindfold me and tell me that I was playing World War World One One and I could probably get a fair amount through without dying just because the muscle memory of getting through that area. Like, you know, first there's a there's a, a bunch of blocks, there's a blocks and then the Goombas and then some shit you have to jump over. It's like it's it's for some reason it's like embedded in my memory as a location unto itself. 
I don't know. Aaron or, or Topher or Jim? Not Aaron. I Under think no circumstances, the, um, Aaron. The bridges in Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. Um, the Blitzball Stadium in Final Fantasy X was kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, any and all of the structures in Ikaruga, along with <laughs> just the design in general. Um, Midgar. Why not? <laughs> Jim, what do you think? Um, the third level of Golden Axe. It's a village on a turtle. <laughs> yeah, they have it. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. That's all I can think about. I'm going to think of something fantastically, brilliantly beautiful roughly 30 minutes after this podcast is finished, and I'll hate myself, but for now, Turtle. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good meantime thing. It's, uh, yeah, I really like this question, though. We should maybe revisit this next That is a fantastic question. It is, because, mm. damn it. Um, fuck. I, <laughs> I wish I'd seen it and thought about it before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, me too. I did. I, know send, I sent it to you guys in the pre-show. Fuck you! Dinner. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. It's at the very end Stop of the email. Talking. If I thought, if I thought you guys <laughs> would actually look at it again, I would like. Dude, I never read those emails. Fuck yeah, I know, you! I, I, know, I know, but if I thought you guys would actually like revisit it before next week, I would send out another email with just that in it, and then we would revisit it at the beginning of next week's episode. But that ain't gonna happen. Well, you know what? It sounds as though this was a problem that came about by your own lack of foresight. My own. Yeah. My overestimating your ability to read things. That's yeah, it's pretty much. That it's, you, you know what? Things. You know what, Anthony? You know what? You should have known better, and that's all I'm going to say. You really should have known better. <laughs> and I'm just, and I just, I'm, I'm sorry that you know this is just. He just, I don't gotta, know. It's he, like you got a retarded son, and you come home, and he shat everywhere, and he ate all the the stuff in the trash, and you're not surprised. And, but you're still disappointed in him. But you could, you kind of should have seen it come, I guess, a little bit. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> or you should have aborted him. <laughs> yep, that's about it. But uh, our next reader slash listener question... Fucking failure. God damn it. Yeah, tell, tell, tell me about it. Fucking tell me about it. Um, so Anguzum said, I always buy new copies of games because I'm, a pre- I'm pretentious in that. I'm of the opinion that buying a used copy of a game is no better than pirating or not emulating that game since the people responsible for the experience you're enjoying gain nothing from the sale of a used copy of their game. Oh, for is, he, is, is he full of shit? Because that's the reason the DRM exists. full of exists. massive stinking shit with flies buzzing around. Ten shitloads of that kind of shit? Ten shitloads of shit. Ten shitloads of shit. <laughs> If you're buying, Jeez, if you're buying a used God. copy of a game, that game has already been paid for. That disc that you hold in your mm-hmm. hand, somebody paid sixty dollars for that. How the fuck are you screwing somebody out of money? Yeah, it's not fair. The game like was already purchased. If it was used, you that know, means someone purchased it already. It's been it's, paid uh, for. Whenever, what the I, fuck whenever are you I hear this argument, about? yeah, whenever I hear this argument, I, I think of someone telling me, "It's like, hey man, why did you buy that used waterbed? That's money that you're taking out of the hands of the manufacturers of fucking waterbeds." Mm-hmm. And it's like, and but here's the thing. This is where I get hung up. It's because I am so fucking anti-piracy. It makes my balls hurt. But the idea of uh, when it when it was was it it was Caps, right? It was Caps who said we should just you know who I think facetiously, hopefully we talked about this last week, right? But it suggested that um, that the endings of games should be you know held off, uh, you know, yeah. if you if you buy a used copy. And you know, for all the reasons that I said when we talked about that, that fucking irritates the shit out of me. I, I would like in a in a perfect world, I would like to see a situation in which, you know, somehow 
you know, developers could profit off of every sale of a game, no matter how how it how it works. But you know, aftermarket is a fact for everything, not just you know console and PC games, but mm. everything. Like you know, every piece of everything that I have in my room right now can be sold to someone else, and you don't hear those people complaining about it. The only reason is it's like you know, and you don't hear you don't hear booksellers complaining about that. Used bookstores are like a foundation of of the uh, of like you know the, the publishing world. That's just how it works. You know, um, <clears throat> I want to be able to buy a game when it's out of print from someone else and not have to worry about content that's going to be left off the disc. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes down because I'm not I, I'm not always an early adopter, but I like picking up games after the fact and I like hunting games down and. I like collecting, and used games is an absolutely crucial part of collecting. And if every used game that I buy has some critical portion of it missing that I'm going to have to buy, you know, that I either don't get at all or have to pay another 20 bucks for, you know, sure, I'd love to buy a, used co- or a brand new copy, but a lot of times those copies aren't readily available, you know. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> and that only applies to brand new current-gen games anyway, so... I mean, another point is, I buy most of my games brand new if I yeah. don't get a review copy. Because um, I've got a review half of this shit, and if I buy something that's shit for, you know, 40 quid, which is like $80, I want to be able to sell, you know, sell that game on when I'm done with it, like I can sell on pretty much anything that I'm done with that isn't food, because that's the free market, you stupid cunts. It's one of the foundations of trade. I own this item, I trade this item. It's it's not rocket science. You know, all of these publishers are capitalists, they should understand that, but they there's this entitlement complex that works with pirates as well as publishers, this entitlement complex that sees them as this special, unique little snowflake that makes them suddenly different from the car industry or the book industry. We're different. Why right. are you different? I don't know. It, yeah, you know, it they is, never give yeah. any reasons. We have David Braben, um, uh, the Lost Winds guy, he is seems obsessively against second-hand games, and he has said things that just aren't true. Things like this, like second-hand sales are not tolerated in any other industry. <laughs> they are. They're tolerated in every industry. If we want, if we want to shut down GameStation or GameStop, let's shut down the charity shops as well that sell everything used. Let's shut down. Let, let let's stop uh, yard sales. You know, it's just Jesus fucking Christ. It's not piracy. It's not theft. It's trade. It's capitalism. The very thing that allows half these publishers to get away with a lot of the shit they get away with. So let's not allow one part of the glorious capitalist machine, um, which is nothing, you know, I don't have anything against it, but let's not allow parts of it and disallow other parts of it. God bless America. Well, Anguism, I hope that answered your question to the best of your hopes. Uh, Dexter345 asks, uh, on RPG combat, were there any RPGs you've played whose story and characters you didn't particularly care for, but played anyway because the combat itself was so fun, or vice versa? For him, Final Fantasy X, he didn't like the story, but he liked the combat. 
Final Fantasy X. Sorry, ten. I don't know. I'm just reading it aloud, and you just tend to do that phonetically. You see an X, and you don't think ten. I, I, I could, I could deal with that. Like, yeah, the, the story in ten wasn't as fabulous as I would have liked it to be. It was, it was still better than seven. Yes, I said it. Um, seven is the ocarina of time of the Final Fantasy series. Well, no, no, yeah. The cool thing about seven is that it, it, it swings back and forth um, between, you know. Whether or not it's it's sometimes it's hip to hate it and sometimes it's hip to defend it, you know, because it's like your counter 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 culture or something like that, you know. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, well, I like this game because people that think they're, uh, yeah, and it, I get a no sleep. <laughs> but no, I just I, I like I like seven. Okay, I just thought it was substandard. Um, it's, uh, it's oh god, there have been many. There have been quite a few. Grandia three um, is a big one. Grandia three, I, I hated it so much. For the story, because it it so you know, like so many other RPGs, starts off in that bullshit. I'm a kid in a town. I have a thing. Oh fuck, things are going wrong. I have to go on a big quest. Kickoff, and it takes a really long time to pick up. And I really wish that convention would die forever and never ever come back, because that's not how any other you know, with the exception of fucking Star Wars, that's no story starts out that way because that's a dumb, stupid way to start out a story. Um. God, there are plenty, I'm sure. I don't know. Topher, what do you think? Because you probably have a one or two. Yeah, Final Fantasy XII was a big one for me. That story, I'm sorry. I like the characters okay, but the story was fucking boring. I'm sorry. It's just boring. And a lot of the time I'd find myself, I'd, I'd show up at a town and something would start happening. There were events and it was like, eh, okay, I'm going to turn around and go back out and grind now. Yeah, boring. I'm pretty sure that yeah, I'm pretty sure that 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 was hinged on the fact they tried to make Vana the the main character Vaughn, as opposed to Balthier. Oh, fucking hate that kid. Oh, my boner for Balthier is tremendous. <laughs> also, Fran. <laughs> oh. oh. But yeah, that that's uh, the first thing I think of, and that's probably the best example you're gonna get out of me. Because I really loved the combat in that game. I thought it was great, but the story was fucking boring. And if it hadn't been for the awesome combat, I would have stopped way sooner than I did. Um, Jim, what about you? Um, games that had shit stories but good gameplay. I can't think of any old ones at the moment, although I'm certain there are plenty. Um... I would say at the moment, probably one I'm playing currently would be Silent Hill Origins, which is actually, in terms of, as, of, of, as, as, of oh, sorry, went all porky pig then. And <laughs> as far as um, Silent Hill games go, on a gameplay level, Silent Hill Origins is really good. It's really good. It's actually this. Cause I haven't played Homecoming yet because it's not out in this country. Uh, I'll probably pick it up on Sunday when I will be in America. Um, And then I'll take photos of it and send the photos back to all my English friends who will not be friends anymore. (laughs) And I don't need to hang around with Limeys anymore. But it's... uh, As a game, Origins is really good. But obviously as a story, you know, they made up their own pyramid head. It's just some guy who's there in Silent Hill being a retard for no reason and the story's shit but it's the scariest Silent Hill game I've played out of all of them uh, and the gameplay is pretty decent, the combat's shit but 
the traditional Silent Hill elements are all there and they all work. So that's the, that's the one that I can think of at the moment as far as current games go. But there there will have been tons of them over the years. But mind you, that said, I don't I tend not to stick around with a game if the story's shit, especially if it's an RPG. Even if the combat's good, it's what's the point? I play an RPG for a story, not a combat system. Um, Lindy is. I think AFK right now, which is kind of depressing because we are, have come to a new segment in Podtoid. Previously, it was just a, a mild diversion. Then it became a sort of odd trend. Now it's a full-blown segment, and Dexter345 gave us the title of this segment, Boner Questions. Oh, my God. Um, I'm just going to go through these really quickly. Uh, Lindy's not going to be around to to respond to them, but I think we can imagine how he how he would. He would just sort of breathe really heavily and then sigh exasperatedly and then say, yes, yes, no, that's a good point, and then sort of question his existence and why he's chosen this path in life and the, the, the horrid broken remains of what once was the potential for his future have been sort of uh, summarized in three syllables, and two of those syllables are boner. But um, Mike Hawk, get it, uh, made some oh, box art. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, made some some box art for the Wii version of Boner Quest, and it, it it looks, I must say, it looks plenty bonerific. We'll 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 post a link to it in the uh, in the in the show post, I th- probably if I don't forget. But Mike Hawk did that on the C blogs, uh, if you can find it. Uh, Reaperar asks, Hey Aaron, have you considered developing Breast Quest for the growing female gaming audience? Agent Moo then uh, had an addendum of or anus training. Charlie Tony asked. Uh, how many hearts do you need to have to get the master boner in the graveyard? Which I thought was a very... It, he he's somehow already played Boner Quest and he knows the ins and outs of it. Um, and then and then my, my favorite part is he says that in the very next paragraph is, is Destructed looking for new game reviewers anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore we might because need we just found our... Hands for, yeah, if, I think the review for Boner Quest is going to be pretty big, so we could do with as many hands on deck as possible. I said <laughs> 10 get. times 10 times 10 out of 10 million. Hey, he's back. Shut uh, up. Where would I miss? Nothing at all. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Please tell me what I missed. <laughs> Mr. Mustache wants to know... I'm worried now. Since Boner Quest is confirmed for Wii, how will the inclusion of Waggle affect the gameplay? Also, the can, fuck? can the ending... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a new segment we've got, Lindy. It's called Boner Questions. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? There's going to be a soundbite of like, if you could say like Boner Questions in as deep a voice possible, and then I'll make it like echo, <laughs> and then that'll be like the intro. Right, okay, like, okay, hang on, hang, let me see if I can pull this up. Boner Questions. That okay? That's going to be. The, I'm going to add echo and bass and <laughs> reverb and shit to that, and that's going to be the Sweet. intro. Um, okay. But, What's it like being a performing seal, Aaron? <laughs> you know, it's pretty. It's pretty damn cool. No, no. Here's actually. The, here's the. Well, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't done with Mr. Mustache's question because he also. No, 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 no. Can I don't give ending, a shit. Can the ending be a slow motion video of Spunk flying toward Lauren's face? Oh dear God! <laughs> Thus making yeah. this a podcastle crossover. I just. Yeah. I just want. I just want you all. I just want you all to know that, and I hope you appreciate what I'm doing here because. I'm basically ruining my chances at a legitimate game design career. Did I call it or did I not? Of Pod, of Pod did I called it. <laughs> but 
that Nothing. I complain about the fact that you no, guys are ruining my life. I wouldn't with this say shit? that. No, something completely different. What was it? It was that. It was exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. You want to know why? Because it's fucking true. It is true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. <laughs> There's no vetting process that won't come up. You know, shit. If you Google Aaron Lindy, Boner Quest has got to be at the top of the heap. I'm doing know, that like, right now. Ugh. And I know we go over this every week, and I, and I go from equal parts like excitement and depression. But you have to understand that it's a constant internal, you know, struggle. I can't handle it. It's oh, you too know much what? For- no, nothing, nothing, no. Nope, no bonus quest. Well, see, now people are now someone's going to no register. Bonus, no bonus quest yet, but somebody's going to register the domain Aaron Lindy's boner quest. <laughs> Aaron Lindy, Aaron Lindy's boner quest dot com. You know the cool thing. Yeah, yeah I wonder. If- I think that's what we have to call the game. As okay, well. you know, how about this? I've got an even better idea. Let's just follow him forever. Let's take this away from game development and let's push it more towards something that isn't possibly career ruining for me. How about? <laughs> How about we make an Aaron Lindy's Boner Quest as a theme restaurant? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, there's merchandising opportunities, as someone from Activision would say. No, I, I get that, but I mean, it how about we just... in certain ways. How about we just skip the part where my good name could be tarnished forever in the realm of game development? Wait, how, how is a restaurant somehow less painful to you than a game? Because at least someone can look at a game and say, "Hey, I like the duck drawing mechanic. I like what you did there. We will hire you to work on Portal Three. Nobody's going to look at like, "Oh, I like the chicken wings. Come on, Portal Three. That's not going <laughs> to." Because I'm not responsible for any of this. I think that's that's what freaks me out about it. <laughs> it's because someone's, you know, eventually, what if there's a boner quest killing? Like, what if someone plays? <laughs> What if someone? What if some like maladjusted fucking kid plays Boner Quest and then goes out and kills someone with his cock and then they trace it back to me? What if I'm on Fox News opposite Bill O'Reilly and Bill's like, "So uh, you instigated some violent activity on your little podcast by talking about a game where you stab things with your penis," and and everyone just points at me. And that'd be a pretty good fifteen minutes because then Rachel Maddow would come out and support you, and then you'd get a chance to turn her not gay, and then Keith Olbermann would come out with you, and you'd get everything you wanted. But the trouble is, bon- like, oh, I think ahead, the Jim. Boner Quest. I think the Boner Quest fan sites are going to um, be well in a bit of a tizzy because you've just dropped a huge gameplay detail about killing people with cocks, which is a, <laughs> it's, it's a gameplay element we've not heard about before. Well, I think no, no, the, see that now. The, the blog deal with gonna, this is a part well, there. Okay, yeah. let me. I'll tell you. You know. Yeah, I'll drop you some. I'll drop some fucking science on you right that now. That shit's no, gonna be on NeoGaf tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Can we move on to the next question now? That please? was the last question, intentionally, so we could spend oh, as much time you, as we needed to. You rat <laughs> bastard. Hold on, I have a question. Anthony, what's with that shit that's, that is on? Uh, yeah, well done, well done. Way to go. Is that kind of writing going to be in Boner Quest? Because if so, then my... Gonna be a little bit- <laughs> Aaron, what can you tell us about DLC in Boner Quest? <laughs> by that, I, I, of course, mean downloadable cocks. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> that wraps up Podtoid 76, ladies and Will gentlemen. Will there be blast processing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, uh, Jim Sterling, uh, Topher Cantler, and definitely Aaron Lindy for not ending your lives or the lives of, of Aaron Lindy's Boner Quest fame. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and uh, we'll talk to you next week, and I, I can pretty much guarantee one of the subjects we talk about will be similar to this week's episode. <laughs> you can never you can never run out of bonus quests. You can never you, have two
motherfuckers. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you know, it's funny too because my uh uh at this camping crib, you know, my uh my good. dad No 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 my dad asked me is like, so you know, how's things going with the new job? And I'm like, it's going great. And I'm like and he says, Are they gonna like let you make your own game? And I was like, Well dad, that's that's quite a few steps up from where I am right now. Um and the first thought in my head was I've got a lot of people who want me to make a particular game. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder how, if I, I actually thought to myself, am I drunk enough to tell my father <laughs> at, at a campfire surrounded by my family, my, my brother, my half brother, my stepbrother, my uncle about boner quest. You know, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't quite bring myself to do it. Like I almost did though. I was very salvaged close. What relationship you had with them. 